tonight on Huckabee, Tennessee Congressman Mark Green. Refresh through laughter with Mike Hickman. A St. Patty's Day dish from Chef Judith McLaughlin. Dove award-winning singer Lily Knowles. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike What a great audience, and I hope we get some good pictures of them because they are all dressed up in their St. Patrick's Day finest. What a great time we're going to have. Everybody's in green stuff. I get to wear this tie once a year. Happens to be this weekend. Hey, it's been a busy week for me. I've been in Taiwan all of this past week. Got in late last night, and I've been there for some business meetings, but I was reminded of why I am so fond of the tiny little island officially called the Republic of China. I've been traveling there regularly for the past 30 years. It's a vibrant nation of true freedom and innovation and economic power. The much larger mainland China calls itself the People's Republic of China. But the communist government there is anything but friendly to the people. The communist Chinese party that runs mainland China with an iron fist is a global predator that robbed America of jobs and has cheated its way to trade domination, particularly in manufacturing many of the things that we depend on here in the U.S. A lot of U.S.-based companies have sold their soul to the communist Chinese for the sake of profit, but often at the expense of human rights and national security. The communists, they don't have a problem with exploiting child labor in what virtually amounts to slave labor, making shoes or clothes, electronics, toys, and even the pharmaceuticals that we're prescribed here in the U.S. It's more likely than not that they knew that the real source of COVID was in their own Wuhan lab, but they pretended it came from some bats in the local wet market, right? Sadly, U.S. officials like Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Francis Collins of the National Health Institute likely knew they knew that as well. But they joined in the deception so it wouldn't expose that they participated in helping fund gain-of-function research with your tax dollars. Well, here's a piece of great news. Recently, in a very rare, nonpartisan and unanimous vote, that almost never happens, Congress voted to open an investigation into the origin of COVID to get some honest answers. Hey... Good that they're doing it. Uh, Too late for the millions who died or for the students whose lives and futures were irreparably harmed by the forced lockdowns and isolation, but important nonetheless. I'm personally glad to get home before China tried to invade Taiwan, and I pray for the freedom-loving entrepreneurial people of Taiwan. Since many electric and electronic components and computer chips are made in that little island of Taiwan, we need to hope and pray that China doesn't seek to invade and take over Taiwan like Putin has done in Ukraine. 
and maybe seeing what a pariah Putin has become. China will decide that being a bully just isn't all it's cracked up to be. But President Biden is doing all he can to keep the communist Chinese strong. And I can't help but wonder why. Is it because he's utterly compromised by his son's and brother's business dealings there, in which he gets a cut of the multi-millions of profit, as indicated by information on the infamous Hunter Biden laptop? Hmm. Since few U.S. reporters seem to be willing to chase that story, and of course the FBI is too busy harassing Donald Trump to look into it, Joe might, well, he might get away without so much as a look-see. But already, Joe Biden's determination for us to go green will more likely put a lot of American businesses in the red. The Financial Times reports that China makes 96% of the wafers that go into solar panels, 75% of the world's batteries, and 83% of the blades for offshore windmills. Let that sink in. For the U.S. to go green, we've got to go red and get most of our products from the communists, which means that we are literally giving them the green money from our economy and putting America workers and companies in the financial and political red. We're gonna be feeding their economy and destroying our own. And what's worse is that America is an energy rich nation. And under President Trump, we became completely energy independent in 2018 for the first time in 75 years, resulting in plentiful and affordable energy in our homes and cars. China's got half the world's copper, two-thirds of all the known lithium reserves, and 75% of the world's cobalt, all of which is necessary to make the electric cars that Joe Biden and the green, I call them raw deal people, demand that we all buy. As a result of Joe Biden's energy policies, Mining in China will have to jump to 20 times today's levels just to keep up with the demand for electric vehicle batteries. And a lot of that will be done by slaves and children. We seem determined to make the Chinese richer and Americans poorer. But more importantly, will Americans be safer with this? No. But we may be more enslaved to China for our energy. It's past time that we start making stuff right here in the U.S. We need to employ. We need to employ and empower American workers, not underage children in China. And it's time that we wean ourselves off from products that are made in China and tell them to keep their slave labor created items and their diseases like COVID to themselves once and for all. Coming up, your tax dollars not at work as Democrats in Congress decide not to do their jobs, not even to show up to a hearing on the southern border as the migrant crisis continues. No end in sight. House Homeland Security Committee Chairman, Republican Congressman Mark Green is with us. He'll be here right after this break. Stay with us.
GovMikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. We want to pay tribute to a very special friend of this show, Bobby Caldwell. He passed away this week after a battle with a long illness. Uh, he was one of our favorites. We loved having him on the show. What an incredible musical talent. And many of us remember his songs. Trey and the band have been playing some of his music as uh, we've come back into the segments. But we want to all say how much we miss him we appreciate his great, great gift to the music industry, but also to pray for his wife, Mary Beth, and their whole family. Bobby Caldwell, a great American treasure, to be sure. Mark Green has served Tennessee's 7th District in the U.S. Congress since 2019, and as of January, he has been named chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee, a bipartisan committee, but this week, all 15 Democrat members just decided to skip a hearing in Texas. It was intended to address the ongoing crisis at the border. Here's Republican Chairman Mark Green from this week. Well, they said coming here was just a political stunt. You tell me. Taking a hearing to the point of the crisis for a first-hand view or boycotting a hearing because you know we're going to shine a light on the truth. Which of those is a political stunt? I'd say the political stunt is these empty chairs. Mm, indeed it was. Please welcome back to the show Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee. Thank Congressman, you. great having you. Thank you, Governor. Great to be here. This has been a pretty big week for you. You take your committee down to the border. Democrats originally agree to go. They're going to actually see for themselves what's going on. And They're none of them show up. And they showed they didn't show. Why? I think... Um, really to make a statement that they don't agree with what we're doing. They, they, I think, thought it was a political statement that we were going there. But, you know, you don't read a book and do brain surgery. Yeah. Right? I mean, you got to go. The leader has to get to the front of, get to the ground, see what's going on, understand. Then you can make informed decisions about policy. I have no idea if you realize what a, a big deal it would become. But the border chief... Um, put it all on the line and, and just basically challenge the people upstream from him. Tell us about what he said. Sure. We knew that he was a straight shooter and that he would answer honestly. At least that was the reputation that he brought into the hearing that day. So I had the actual definition of operational control of the border, which is interestingly enough written into the code by previous Congresses. And we showed him that, asked if you know, the United States has operational control of our southern border. And he said, no, sir, we don't. Then I showed a video of Secretary Mayorkas, you know, basically saying under oath to Congress, yes, we have operational control of our border. So then I asked him, well, is Mayorkas lying or is Mayorkas ignorant? Didn't put him on the spot or anything, did <laughs> you, Congressman? A, just a touch. Come on. Um, and he, he kind of evaded that one. But very clearly he said, and he went on to elaborate, five of the nine sectors on our southern border are unsecure. Uh, and it's very clear that the, uh, the drug cartels in Mexico have control of those five segments of our, account, whoa, whoa, whoa. our, our border. The cartels yes. trafficking not only drugs, fentanyl alone has killed 100,000 Americans in, in a one year, year. In one year. More than Vietnam twice. 
and they're trafficking little kids to be sex slaves. Yes. And you're telling me they are actually running more than half our border. Yes. And and the way they do it is they they have taken advantage of this open border situation. They flood the crossing sites with mass waves of coyote uh, paid people. And those those people are brought to those sites on purpose. You saw the El Paso. Yeah. I mean, what was that a diversion for? All of CBP had to mass at that crossing point at that point in time, meaning they thinned the rural line and the fentanyl pours across the border when the line is thin. They control the border with those mass waves of people, dictating where our border patrol has to go in order to handle the people. And, and we've got video from, from ranchers, game camera footage of hundreds in a night wearing camouflage uniforms, backpacks full of fentanyl, and carpet shoes to hide their tracks. This ought to make every American boiling mad. It's I don't care what your party is. You don't have to be a Republican to be upset about this. So I'm, I'm stunned that Democrats don't think Americans care about that. I'm stunned they didn't have enough respect for the Border Patrol agents who were there testifying to show up at the hearing. They even invited a witness from ICE, and he showed up. Their witness showed up, hmm. Governor, and they... They didn't even come. But the sad part is our borders are being overrun by people, and we have no idea who they are, why they're here, what they're going to do when they get here, what kind of health they have, and are they criminals. 1.3 million gotaways since the president's been in charge. Now, 4.7 million encounters plus 1.3 million gotaways. And in our hearing just two days ago, Chief Ortiz said another 20% he thinks has crossed into our border without even being able to count them. So on top of the gotaways. And what is a gotaway? A gotaway is a person who intentionally evades the CBP, mm. the Customs and Border Patrol agent. If you come in now, you're going to get paroled into the United States. So if you're avoiding CBP, there's a reason. And it's not to come into the United States. It's to bring drugs or nefarious individuals into our country. There was a really just horrible incident that happened where Border Patrol agents were accused of whipping migrants as they were coming across. Secretary Mayorkas was very disdainful of his own people. President Biden said, we're going to punish these people. And I thought, how are you going to punish somebody? You don't even know what they've done yet. There was no due process. It was instantly just bringing people to judgment. Um... I have to think that when your committee went down there and you talked to the Border Patrol, they felt better that somebody gave a rip yeah. of what they were doing. No, they, they have expressed to us a deep gratitude for us trying to get to the bottom of it. In that particular instance, you know, I've talked to the horse uh, patrol. Yeah. And they're great Americans doing a very difficult job. They have very long reins because when you're in that, brush. I mean, that's what a cowboy, yeah. uh, you know, out, and, and uh, what's, what's even worse, though, um, one of the organizations in D.C. sued to get the emails because if I subpoena them, they won't give them to me, but, but they'll give them under lawsuit. And it turns out Mayorkas knew before he came out and said, oh, these guys are terrible. We're going to investigate and they're going to be held accountable. He knew from the beginning that it wasn't whipping migrants. 
And we will watch for that hearing. It's coming. What can be done? I mean, can he be impeached? I, I know he wouldn't be convicted in the Senate. It's run by the other side. But, sure. Uh, I, I mean, how do you tell somebody who is derelict in his duty and dishonest that your services are no longer needed? Well, the question will be to the president, Mr. President, um, do, you, do you think a cabinet secretary should get away with lying to Congress? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he basically took an oath, and he was under oath, and if that's the kind of people that our president's okay with, well, we'll see how that works out in 24. Well, maybe if he gave that answer. I, I'm just wondering if, if the president would respond and say, well, that's exactly the kind of people we're looking for. We can't afford for them to tell the <laughs> well, truth. Well, he certainly, uh, you know, chimed in with the Democrats and said that my, uh, our hearing was uh, a political stunt, which, um, you know, was very disappointing. I have to think some of those Democrats wish they'd shown up to at least understand. And thank you for... Uh, really representing not just one district in Tennessee, but the country and taking those uh, testimonies Thank at the go. border. Thank you, Congressman Mark Green. For our audience, as always, if you want to keep up with the congressman on social media, we are at Huckabee.tv, and we have direct links to Congressman Green. And I hope that if you have not seen the video of that hearing, be sure and watch it. It will give you a great deal of confidence in this congressman and what he's doing as chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell our audience what we have coming up on the rest of tonight's show. Well, get ready to have some fun. Comedian Mike Hickman performs next. And later, celebrate St. Patrick's Day with an Irish recipe from Chef Judith McLaughlin. Well, this October, I'm going to be leading a Steps of Paul in the early church Mediterranean cruise. And if you're ready to travel with nice people like yourself, I hope you'll join us and book your cabin this week while there's some room available. We've got the entire luxury ship all to ourselves. And we've got spectacular entertainment with Larry Gatlin, Shonda Pierce, Guy Penrod, and others. Go to thegreatesttrip.com. Mark the dates, October 29th through November 7th to enjoy a relaxing, entertaining, and inspirational experience. Mike Hickman is a Christian comedian, actor, speaker, and musician. He's been entertaining audiences all over the nation for more than 20 years. His dry bar comedy special is called, They're Gonna Come Get Ya. And right now, you're gonna laugh, cause here comes Mike Hickman. Give him a big hand. Oh, thank you so much. You're so very kind. May I hear the sound of all the married people in the auditorium tonight? Yes. I love that sound. That's the sound of romance and commitment and a little bit of fear mixed in from time to time, right? I love being married. I've been married for 18 years in a row, and, uh, and uh, I've learned a lot. I think marriage is the best school that you can possibly go to. I've learned a lot. I've learned that my wife has superpowers, 
She has the unbelievable, amazing ability to take the items that are in our home and quite often find new, better places all over the house to put those things. Now, the only thing is, I don't know where those things are. Until, until I've retrieved it about 100 times, I will literally be standing in the kitchen and my wife will walk by. I will have an item in my hand. Doesn't matter what the item is. She'll say, all right, when you're done with that, make sure you, uh, you put that back where you got it. Uh, so I just take it back to Walmart. Uh, it's just easier. <laughs> I've learned that women focus better than men do also. There, there's, it's just a gift that you have, ladies, and I think it's God-given. Yes, you can clap for that. <laughs> There, there's things that we men will be asked to do that I don't think that we're, we're capable of, we're not equipped for. Ladies, never ask us to go through the drive-through at a fast food restaurant when the whole family's in the car. I can't keep up with that list. <laughs> it's like asking a baby to change its own diaper. It's confusing, it's messy, and it's not gonna come out right. <laughs> we pull up to the drive-through, I'm driving, my wife's in the passenger seat, and here she goes. She turns to me, and she says, okay, I want the chicken sandwich, but, but I don't want the crispy chicken sandwich. Make sure that they have the grilled chicken sandwich. Normally, it comes with a white bun. Make sure they substitute a wheat bun instead. And normally, it comes with mayonnaise. Have them substitute honey mustard, and I'd like to have double lettuce and no pickles unless you want my pickles. Then we'll take it off, and you can have my pickles. If not, leave them on. I really don't want fries, but I heard their coleslaw is really good, so if you could have them substitute coleslaw for the fries, that would be great. And I want a large sweet tea, but their tea is a little too sweet, so if you could have them fill a cup halfway full of sweet tea and halfway full of unsweet tea, it'll all equal out. Now, Sarah's gonna want the chicken strip basket, but she wants the adult one because it comes with six. She'll get two meals out of it. Make sure she has a batch of fries that has absolutely no salt and a cup of water with the lid and a straw in it. Then just order whatever it is that you want. Are you serious? It's an old car. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to order a less awkward situation, please. And could you supersize me some self-esteem? I can't do it. But now I realize why when I was a kid, when we as a family would pull up to that drive-thru, my dad is driving, my mom's in the passenger seat, my dad would just roll down the window, fold his arms, lean back in his seat, and my mom would yell the order from the passenger side of the car. Yes, it's a perfect system. <laughs> Next time my wife asks me to go through the drive-thru, I'm just gonna back the car into the drive-thru, <laughs> put her right by the window, there you go. <laughs> order whatever you want and order what I want because you know that I have absolutely no idea what I want. <laughs> now, sometimes in public, an embarrassing moment can happen when other people don't focus, even at church. I remember when I was 16 years old, I went down to the altar to pray. I wasn't really dealing with a, a, a sin issue per se. I just, I just wanted to kneel down there. The music is playing, and I'm just having a great time with the Lord, and I just wanted to pray and be right there by myself in the Lord. And I was in the middle of that when the loudest deacon I've ever heard in my life came up behind me, put his hand on my shoulder, and in a loud voice said, Lord! I just wanna pray for this young man that whatever sin he's involved in, 
broken in Jesus' name. I said, are you serious? This is happening. Lord, if he is drinking alcohol and doing the drugs, just deliver him right now. I said, you've got to be joking. And I've always thought that if I could go back to that moment, knowing what I know now and having the nerve that I have now, I think the moment that he put his hand on my shoulder, I would just do this. (laughs) I'm trying to pray. You're interrupting the precious. <laughs> Mike, are you okay? There is no Mike. There's only Zool. <laughs> Tell you what, that would change the course of the service right there. <laughs> Getting older, I'm in my 50s now, and, and my wife and I, we can't wait to grow old together uh, because I, I've learned something else. I've learned that that when you're, elderly, from what I've observed, you can get away with a lot of things that they might have put you away for years earlier. Yes, people will even applaud you for those things. And I want a part of that. <laughs> we were at a, at a music festival down in Rockport, Texas, down on the Gulf, and, and the, the room is standing room only. A band is about to play. And I nudged my wife, and I said, look, look, look. And on the front row standing there was was this sweet lady, easily in her mid to upper 80s, having a great time. The band starts playing. No joke. She pulls out a hula hoop. Yeah, I don't know where she got a hula hoop. I mean, she would have had to bring it from home like, yeah, tonight I think I'm going to bring the hoop because I feel like I might get a little bit crazy tonight. And she put it on. And you know what, my friends? She was good. She was so good. And you could hear her hip click with every single rotation. It was, sounded like a geriatric water sprinkler. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. My name is Mike Hickman. God bless you. Oh, Mike, thank you very much. Oh, Great you. having you here. Thank you. I have a feeling if we passed out some hula hoops, we might hear that clicking going on out here. Hey, if you want to see more of the comedy of Mike Hickman, and I believe you will, head to Huckabee.tv. We've got links that you can book him for your own show or community. Also, follow him on social media and see his Dry Bar Comedy Special. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is standing over here, but Keith, this is no laughing matter. You have to tell us what's coming up. Be glad to. Superpower in Peril. Author David McCormick is up next. And later, the incredible Lily Dolls performs. All ahead on Huckabee. Samaritan's Purse is on the ground right now in Ukraine. And thanks to the prayers, generosity, and support from people just like you, Samaritan's Purse is able to continue bringing life-saving aid and care to the refugees of the war in Ukraine. I hope you'll consider giving to Samaritan's Purse so they can continue the great work they do. Visit the Samaritan's Purse website, or you can call them, and I hope you do it today. Thanks, and God bless. David McCormick used to run the largest hedge fund in the world. 
He's a West Point graduate, a Gulf War combat veteran, and he also served as Undersecretary of the U.S. Treasury for International Affairs from 2007 to 2009. He's been called, rightly so, one of America's top negotiators. And this brand new book, Superpower in Peril, A Battle Plan to Renew America, just out this week, it's his vision to put our country back on the right track and to confront an aggressive China. Please welcome to the show a dear friend and a great American, Dave McCormick. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Governor. This is uh, an extraordinary book that really is a, a blueprint for how we would get our country back. But what I love is that your own story is a lot about how we get the country back. Because you grew up in a farm in western Pennsylvania. I, I doubt as a kid you, we got some Pennsylvania <laughs> people here tonight. But I doubt you could have ever imagined that one day you would lead the largest hedge fund in the whole world. I mean, that's a pretty big, pretty big trajectory. Yeah, I, I feel like I have been blessed. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, grew up on the, the first Monday after Thanksgiving was the school was off so you could go hunt deer. And uh, <laughs> I, I baled hay and trimmed Christmas trees and played sports, football and wrestling, and that got me into West Point. But then you get into the financial world. You, you work in uh, the highest levels of the finance world. We're seeing some crazy things going on. Two big banks failed just recently. What happened there? Well, you know, when you, it's easy to focus on the, the Silicon Valley Bank, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but what's happening is the consequence of terrible policies. The excessive spending under the Biden administration, we had a 40% increase in discretionary spending. We have the highest uh, debt levels in, in the history of, of America and the world. And that inflation is a consequence of that. And the Federal Reserve raised rates to, to stop that inflation, which, which kills all Americans. And that's put huge pressure on banks. And, uh, and this was very predictable. But now what's happened is that this bank was terribly managed. The regulators missed what was obvious. But then the governments bailed out the depositors who were uninsured in the Silicon Valley Bank. And that set a terrible precedent. Because guess what? There's $8 trillion of uninsured deposits around America. And we've just set an expectation that, hey, um, those deposits are insured too. And that's a problem because that means people are going to invest uh, their deposits in banks without thinking about risk. And anytime people aren't thinking about risk, we have big problems. Well, we sure have some right now. Uh, Superpower in Peril is the title of the book. So we're the superpower, and obviously you think we are in peril. Let's talk about some of those perils. What is it that scares you most about this country and what's happened to us and where we are? So the people I met on the campaign trail, they're angry. They, yeah. they think America is headed in the wrong direction. Here's the statistic that'll scare you most. 80% of Americans think the country's going in the wrong direction. 67% think that the American dream is no longer available for their kids. Mm. That's a crisis. And we've got to fix it. And that's what this book is all about. You certainly talk about some of the problems we face in the country that we're in peril. Let's get into the heart of the book, which really is not just saying, oh, there's a problem. I mean, that would be an interesting read, and you certainly outlined that well. But the book is really more about how to solve these issues. And that's what I think people are hungry for. How do we fix this? So give us some clues. How do we fix this country? Well, the book is, you know, that title is, you know, we're, we're at a crossroads. Yeah. But the book, as you know, is optimistic. And if I could tell you, the reason I'm optimistic is because this is the American story. We get to the edge of the cliff and we pull ourselves back. We mm. get to the edge of the cliff. And you and I lived through this in the 70s. 16% inflation. The economy was in recession. Uh, gas through, through the roof. I remember odd days and even days. Yeah. 
I remember sitting with my dad in the gas station in the Country Squire. Does anybody remember the Country Squire, right? The station <laughs> wagon's like half a block long with, uh, with wood on the sides. And we had Desert One where uh, we had this tragedy on the yeah. sands of Iran rescuing our hostages. 80% of Americans thought the country was headed in the wrong direction. Mm. And, and four years later, I was at West Point walking those beautiful walkways with the mountains around. America was back. It was morning in America. Mm. Four years later, and that's because leadership makes a difference. So we need leadership today. Boy, that's very well said. You know, that is a hopeful reminder because we sometimes think we'll never pull ourselves out of this. And when we start thinking back in history, there have been times when we were really in trouble, just like really you've trouble. described in this book. But you also point out, as you say, that the last chapter of America has not yet been written. Absolutely not. And there's many things in the book, but the thing I'll highlight, you asked some, for some specifics, is we got to educate our people. Now, what does that mean? Well, we all saw up close and personal during COVID the education that our children are getting. Yeah. They're being taught a history of America that I don't even recognize. To apologize for America, that America was conceived in sin. There's a, a sexual sexualization being taught in our elementary mm. schools that's, that seems like madness to me. And teachers are playing a role in classrooms that they shouldn't. We see that now. We have to fix that. We have to give school choice. We've got to break the back. Mm. Well, I think it is a phenomenal book for our audience. I know you're going to want to head over to Huckabee.tv. We'll link you to get your own copy of Superpower in Peril. We also have the links to follow Dave McCormick on social media. But right now, Keith Bilbrey might just tell a little about what's coming up yet on the show. Keith? Well, am I the only one getting hungry around here? Well, up next, Chef Judith McLaughlin prepares a delicious Irish dish after the break. So stick around. TV and get your very own Made in the USA Huckabee mugs, t-shirts, and more. Last St. Patrick's Day, we introduced the perfect, I mean the very perfect person to be with us. And we just had to have her back. Judith McLaughlin owns an Irish tour company in Georgia called the Shamrock and Peach. Now, tonight, we are going to tempt your taste buds with dishes from her brand new cookbook. I know we got it. Here it is right here. Return to Ireland. Please give a hearty welcome back to our favorite Irish chef, Judith McLaughlin. Welcome back, Judith. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Great to be here. We had so much fun last year. I think we've got to make this an annual thing, oh. bring your Irish recipes. So let's jump into it. What are we going to make tonight? Well, thank you for having me. And I'm so glad that you're wearing green, because yes. otherwise I would have had to have pinched you. Yes. And that I, I'm been glad painful. to see many people also wearing green as well, so I don't have to go out to the audience and, and pinch, pinch anyone them. tonight. So the first thing we're going to begin is with this, some wonderful Irish butter. Ah. And you'll notice the color of this Irish butter. It's a beautiful golden color. And that is... Uh, we talk about the, the leprechauns and uh, how uh, at the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, that's where, but I still haven't found the pot of gold yet. Mm. So you go ahead and add the, the cabbage. Okay. This is the cabbage. And I love this cast yeah, iron this skillet. This is a traditional Irish dish, and I'll let you stir this here. Okay. And this is called cold cannon. 
and it's Kilcannon in Irish means the white head of cabbage. Aha. And then when we add this here, we have another secret ingredient, which I remember was a big hit last time. Do you remember what that secret ingredient was? Darling, it would be bacon, yeah. I believe. Yes, it was, and so, still is. So we're, we're, we're going to go ahead, and I'll let you add, add the bacon okay, to that. Okay, just toss it yes, in there, just huh? toss it in there. Mm. So we've got the bacon and the cabbage, which is the, the base of it. The next important Irish ingredient is, I'm sure that you can guess what it is, Governor. Potatoes. Yes, we have some wonderful potatoes. So I will add, I will add this, and you can okay. keep on stirring. We're going to stir the potatoes into Every, the cabbage the, yes, and bacon. Yes, everything goes... Now, when oh. you're making potatoes for this, uh -huh. it's important that you choose a variety of potato that is going to mash well. Uh -huh. For example, I wouldn't advise that you buy the red potatoes okay. because there are more what we call waxy potatoes that are ideal for potato salad. But if you go for a more floury potato like the Idaho or the Yukon Gold and rice them, you're going to get wonderful results and they're just lovely, fluffy potatoes and what, what my daddy calls like balls of flour. So whenever you cook them and dry them out, then they just kind of just almost just puff up out and they're a lovely texture for Colcannon and for any good Irish dish. I'm glad you told me that. I always thought you just bought the potatoes depending on which one was the cheapest at the store. <laughs> Well, that, that would be Scottish potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> There's an Irish girl for you. Yes, indeed. Any Scots out here? <laughs> we got a couple. Well, I'm Careful, Scot Judith. I'm Scots-Irish, so I can, oh, okay. I can say that. And you, you're so covered. They're still part of my people. This so, is looking So good. we're going to add the, our green puree to this. Now, this is especially for the show tonight. Okay. Traditionally, we put a spring onion cream and butter for our puree. Mm -hmm. But I have given extra strength with good greens with iron. So there's also gonna be spinach added to this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add this. And we're gonna have if all of this just, recipe yes. available online. And this is natural. There is no food coloring in it, but it is the perfect dish for St. Patrick's Day. Mm. So if you yes, stir all of that okay. together and we get these beautiful green potatoes. Green potatoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had a few of those, but it wasn't on purpose, I'll tell you that. <laughs> This and, is really interesting. And finally, the last thing that we're going to add okay. is going to be, I'm going to be able to, to switch that, that off, okay. is going to be our cheese. We have some wonderful Irish cheese. Irish cheese. Now, what's different about Irish? Oh, somebody out here is an Irish cheese fan. The Irish cheese is delicious because, of course, our cows, we call them happy cows. They are grazing on grass and that produces a lovely yellow ah. butter and a lovely cheese as well. So this is a Dubliner uh, Kerrygold cheese that can be purchased here in the yeah. United States. So that Excellent. is our, our dish together. And I can't wait when, for you to finish when it's completed. Mm. In Ireland, we would have this sometimes for a main meal. And um, when I grew up in my family, we would have this once a week, sometimes on a plate. And we put a little hole in it with some uh, salted butter. And then we just dip the fork into the butter into a well. And you've yeah. delicious. I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> love this. Well, thank you. It's, yeah. it's the, the, the Irish love their, their potatoes. And the, in Ireland, there isn't a, di a dinner until you have some type of potatoes. So. Absolutely, it isn't? Okay, no, so now what do we complete. do? Now I wanted to move over and tell you about okay. our, our main dish. Now, in, when I first moved to the United States, and, and I didn't tell you, I became a citizen just a few months ago. Well, so, hey, hey, welcome so to the United States. Thank you. 
And when I first moved over, everybody said, you must eat corned beef and cabbage for St. Patrick's Day. And I said, well, actually, I've never had it before. And it was the first time I had it in the United States. And I do love it. I think it's delicious. But I wanted to make you something that my mother would have made for St. Patrick's in Ireland. And my mother would have made a slow-cooked roast beef that was cooked low and slow for at least eight hours. So this is uh, what it is. And what makes it delicious is the gravy. Mm. We have a beautiful pearl onion and, and bacon gravy that naturally comes from the meat. So let me plate this together. Okay. And of course, we have our cabbage and potatoes here. And I will let you try what this would be like for a traditional meal for St. Patrick's Day, which of course is a very special day for us in Ireland. I've got this all over me somehow. I don't know how I did it, but I've succeeded. I'll just lick it off my sleeve and have a snack later is what I'll do. So we have some of this, this okay. lovely gravy. And the gravy is what makes it. It makes that the most looks delicious. Real, doesn't it? Oh, yes. That ain't no sissy gravy right yeah. there. And I, I make it with the pearl onions, and it is just delicious. Sometimes I cook it overnight for 24 hours and low and slow, and it just, it just literally just melts in your mouth. So here we have a, a traditional Irish St. Patrick's meal that if you came over to Ireland, to my mother's house, and I hope that you do. I do. Sometime. I understand you your parents us. watch us on TBN they in do. Ireland. They are big fans of TBN, and they they mm. love they love your show. Well, we love them. Let's say hi to Judith's mom and dad. Okay, <laughs> hello there. <laughs> Tell your mother thank you for giving you this recipe. Well, mm. this is great. I'm going to be eating a while, but if you want to get Judith McLaughlin's great Irish cookbooks, of course you do, including the latest, A Return to Ireland, and a book tours of Ireland and Scotland through her company. Yeah, I got a mouthful. I know I do. Journey to Huckabee.tv. Right now, our own resident leprechaun, Keith Bilbrey, is going to tell us what gold he has for us next. Well, follow that rainbow all the way through the break because gospel great Lily Knowles performs next on Huckabee. Welcome back. Lily Knowles worked for the telephone company for 22 years before she joined the Edwin Hawkins Singers. Now, you're going to remember that group had the first number one gospel crossover hit, Oh, Happy Day. Yes, indeed. What a great moment that was. Well, she's now a Dove Award-winning solo artist, a 30-year veteran of the Gaither Homecoming Friends videos, and a member of the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. What a joy to welcome Miss Lily Knowles. 
Lily, thank you for coming. Oh, it's my privilege. I'm happy to be here, Governor. You know, one of the reasons I love you is you were born in Arkansas. Arkansas. Fort Smith. Yes, indeed. Camp Chaffee. We got a little bit in common now. We're both Arkansas-rooted people. That's right. I knew there was a reason you were as amazing as you are. Oh. <laughs> you worked for a phone company for 22 years. Mm -hmm. How do you make the diff I mean, the jump from phone company to singing on the number one song in America that nobody saw coming, a gospel song That's right. on the pop charts. It was a God, a gospel music miracle. Yes, it was. God. It yes. really was. You know, it came at a time when America was hurting, and I think a lot of people needed the joy of that song. That's right. I guess that's what you guys even experienced when people would react to it. Edwin just... Uh, Took the gospel, the uh, black, the Jew, the uh, jazz, yeah. and put it together, and people related to it. They, they not only did, they still do. Yes. It's one of those songs, yes. the moment you hear it, you just are <laughs> brought back to a time of optimism and a sense that the gospel gives us a happy That's day. right. And for the whole world to be singing about Jesus and that he is capable of taking sins away yeah. was what was a blessing. Lily, at the risk of giving some things away, you're, you're 85 years old, right? In a month. In a yes. month. Yes. And you're still standing on stages all over the yes. world and singing your heart out. God and is just, good. He's given me wonderful assignment. And it isn't over yet, so I'm still out there. Well, with the energy you've got and the voice, here's what amazes me. When we were doing rehearsal this afternoon, and I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking I'm hearing the voice of somebody who's 35, not 85. Oh, you. God has still given you that gift to sing and to connect to people. He has, and I, every day I wake up and I thank him for the day and the assignment that he gave me. I guess it really is, oh, happy day, isn't Yes, it? it is. I guess you'll be singing until you make the trip to heaven and you'll start there, and that'll be <laughs> a 30, 40 years from now, won't it? Well, I, uh, when people ask me about my age and I say, well, my mom was 94 when she died and mm -hmm. my grandma was 102. So if I take care of myself, I try to eat good food and I exercise only 25 minutes a day, but that's 25 minutes, so. Well, I'm glad you're, you know, <laughs> wanting to hang out with us young people around here like this. Yes. Well, you know what? We're going to make this a happy day because Keith, while Miss Lily prepares to bless all of us, why don't you tell our viewers how they can keep up with her and we're going to get ready to do a little Oh Happy Day. Well, head over to Huckabee.tv and we'll connect you with music, website, and social media pages. Now, you can also watch an exclusive live performance of Amen. Now, singing the classic gospel crossover hit, Oh, Happy Day, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on bass, here's Miss Lily Knowles. Uh, I want you to help me sing this song. You know it. Been around 54 years. The happy day you're having. Yeah. Oh, happy day. 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 Oh, when she 
Yes, you can. 